This is School Nursing Uncovered, a podcast for school nurses by school nurses. Brought to you by the NHS team behind the Chat Health Service, partnering with the school and the Public Health Nurses Association. Hello and welcome to School Nursing Uncovered. My name's Sally Ann Sutton. I'm the Interim Professional Officer at SAFNA, the School and Public Health Nurses Association. During this first series, uh, we're uncovering challenges and issues affecting children, young people and families across the UK. Today, we're going to be talking about the role of the school nurse and we're going to be unpicking exactly what that is. And with me this morning, I have some guests and I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves. So over to you, Debbie. Hi, I'm Debbie. I started my career as a staff nurse in Buckinghamshire and then did my training in Buckinghamshire for four years and then moved up to Leeds in 2018 and have been working in Leeds um, since then. So worked through covid still there. I'm Susie Scales and I currently work in Derby City but have worked all over the place, Croydon, London, Derbyshire and Derby um, but I'm now clinical lead in Derby City. Hello I'm Hannah Roberts and um, I work in Warwickshire. Um, I've worked as a school staff nurse since um, about 2020 and I have just last week started my scuppon training at Wolverhampton University. Oh, how exciting. So we've got an awful lot of experience in this room. Um, I'm with you, Susie. I've been a school nurse for a very long time also in the NHS. And as as well as my SAFNA role, I'm still um, a professional lead in the NHS part-time. We're going to be looking at, well, what is the role of a school nurse? So um, those school nurses out there listening to the podcast, those of us in the room that were at the SAFNA conference, heard Greg Fell challenge us on being able to be in an elevator with a commissioner, with a partner agency, you know, with a parent, with a young person and describing that journey up in the elevator. Well, what is a school nurse? What do we do? So should we just start with just throwing some ideas around about how we would describe the role of a school nurse? I think we look at them emotionally, a a young person emotionally and physically, their health. So we're looking at a preventative role and try not to sort of just step in as being a reactive. We're looking at things holistically across physical, emotional health, starting with prevention. How about yourself, Susie, Hannah, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think definitely school nurses are there for the child and young person as a whole. I think, you know, quite often they're separated into their parts and Mm. so you refer them on for their mental health or you refer them on to this, but we see them as a whole and our public health role is there to look at them, their needs, listen to their voice, be their advocate, um, be in there early to stop, as as Debbie said, you know, for a preventative role um, and and move up more upstream stop them jumping off as I say stop them jumping off the bridge before they're drowning in the river further down mm. um, just be there to try and get them early and do that preventative work I think is, is our, our unique selling point and one that we need to claw back we've been far too far in the other end looking at you know safeguarding and that consuming all our time that we need to try and get that preventative and I think nationally that's being seen that our role is now more preventative and that's the role that we need to claw back definitely I think we'll spend some time on picking that a bit as we, we go mm-hmm. through this podcast this morning and Hannah you've been with a staff nurse yeah for what three years now yeah and now you're gonna you're gonna be probably doing this subject to death yeah. over the next 12 months on your degree how would you be describing the role of a school nurse 
Yeah, I definitely think over the course of the next year, my views and my ideas and perspectives around this are going to sort of fluctuate. And um, that's really exciting. And I think um, another element is sort of the health promotion Mm. and making every contact count. I think sometimes in school nursing, because, you know, we're not seeing a patient sort of making them better and sending them home. We, we can't always see those outcomes, but actually sometimes just one contact, one session with a young person where you give them that key bit of advice or that key perspective of their health or actually, you know, you need a bit more support in this area. Let's go and find that. That can be pivotal, actually, in the course of their health moving forward. It's not unusual, is it, for young people um, to come through the door of a drop-in or to text you through you know, chat health, starting the conversation being one thing, but your conversation leads to uncovering some other issues or reframing a difficulty that the young person's having and taking them off in a different direction. Absolutely. Yeah, that happens quite a lot, I find, with young people is they think they're coming to see you for one thing and then as you start to unpick the challenges that they're facing, actually there's a much wider context and sometimes there's things going on at home that they haven't spoken to anyone about. It's like opening a can of worms sometimes, but that's a good thing because they need that person who's neutral. You know, sometimes they don't want to speak to a teacher in school because they think, oh, will it change how they view me and I've got to see them every day. And actually that's where we come in and sort of are that neutral ground that they can sort of open up and share in a safe environment. And I guess that leads me to thinking about, you know, if we were to have a USP as a school nurse, what would you be describing that USP as? You've kind of started to describe perhaps one element of a USP in Mm. terms of that neutral person that, you know, is able to engage a young person, make them feel safe enough to discuss Mm. issues. But what's unique about a school nurse how do we stand out? I think we act as an advocate for them. And as Hannah was mm. saying, that we are listening to the voice of the, the young mm. person. Um, and we understand about confidentiality. Mm. So where you were saying about in education, you know, if they open up, um, a lot of teachers feel that they have to tell the parents. Um, there's that line where we know that they don't. We can, As long as we're keeping the child safe, they're not sharing something which needs to be shared to appropriate people, i.e. safeguarding. We can keep that confidential so they gain that trust. And I think every young person child needs one person they can trust in their lives yeah that reminds me of the british youth council work about someone you know and someone you trust and and confidentiality was a big feature in that wasn't it yes as debbie said it's definitely the confidentiality but also that we have an understanding of the needs Mm. not just the health needs but the holistic needs of a Mm. child or young person that we can work with them on on any level that they can trust us but that they understand confidentiality and we're always very clear about you know if there is that risk to them or you know there there might be some safety then we might have to take that we're always really clear with them Mm. and I think that they then grow to trust you. It might not be, as you were saying, you know, that on that first occasion, they, they test you a little bit, don't they? That might not come out down the line. But I think the fact that we can see them as a whole mm-hmm. and we have that understanding of the health needs of the whole population, mm-hmm. that we can then tap into that. And, and our signposting, you know, we've got networks around us that we, if they need some specialist health, then we can signpost them onto the most appropriate place. But yeah, I think that's one of our unique selling points. So I guess I'm just thinking, um, thinking aloud here, and, and thinking about, you know, a, a unique selling point as a school nurse, um, because we're qualified, 
public health practitioners or on our journey to be public, especially public health practitioners versus a nurse that works in schools and, and how that differentiates us apart from general trained nurses. And I guess you were talking about that public health part, that holistic approach, so understanding the wider determinants yep, of health at an individual but also a population level. Yeah, and I think that, as you'll find on the year, I think that that grows in your training. And, and I've, mm. I've been a practice teacher and worked mm. with people that, you know, when they start on that journey, they're going, what's the course going to do to me? As a band five, I do all of this work. But I think that that course that you do, you just understand that public health approach, looking at those wider determinants of health. And it gives you that appreciation of what you were missing. Mm. And I've had so many students through that year, you know, that have, have changed and said, oh, I get it. Now I get it. And I think that then it's founding that in your practice afterwards mm. um, and influencing others and, and taking them on that journey. Because mm. I think that how we can um, influence services around us as well not just mm. how we can influence that young person it's looking outwards as well you've been through that journey as a staff nurse and started to understand what school nursing is about and i bet you've already got your head in textbooks oh yeah already <laughs> i was before i came here today i was sort of talking about the um, population needs i'm starting to build like a caseload profile of the area mm. and looking at you know the demographics and groups where there's health inequalities so I think um, that wider perspective really gives you that underpinning knowledge and driver okay as to what what are we doing why are we doing it and sort of like an end goal you know what's the vision is that we want a healthier population don't we of our school-aged children and to grow into successful healthy adults in society it's really digging into the understanding those health needs and then the the evidence behind what what needs doing to address those health absolutely needs and, and then the why are we doing them and what difference is it making? yeah lots of w questions in there isn't yeah it? definitely mm. and how that varies across the country as well you know what is the case for one area is so different for the other area and that's where we have to be adaptable isn't it and not one model is going to work in every single place so that's kind of what's exciting about school nursing as well is that it is challenging and that it is it changes all the time and you have to be flexible with that in your approach as well. So I think we're starting to unpick about the contribution that we make of, of, school, of school nurses and I guess how we make that contribution because of our educational training that, that comes postgraduately after our initial registration. Thinking about the challenges of doing the role, what, what springs to mind... Well, you know, what are the challenges? You started to touch on it because we started to talk about safeguarding. Just listening to mm. um, other school nurses outside mm. before I came in and what smaller areas mm. are able to offer and also working in another trust and what we offered, mm. which was very similar, but working in a very large city, mm. uh, you realise, you know, the threshold for safeguarding is very high and we have a lot of... Um, young people on child protection plans and other safeguarding plans so as a school nurse or we call ourselves public health integrated mm. nurses we do support mm. all the safeguarding plans but not able to do that um, you know working in schools doing um, health sessions so from a health needs assessment we will highlight and be able to support by working multi-dimensional so we can then signpost to to the appropriate services and 
at times support a young person's mental health and has and have seen since COVID an escalation of mental health concerns within every area I think um, so it is a challenge to you know because most colleagues say oh, I want to go out and do that piece of work in schools but unfortunately or fortunately we do have um, something called healthy schools mm. and it's another agency who does all the school sessions and the puberty sessions and the uh, PSHAE but it does mean that the skippers who are training coming within to Leeds they're thinking oh I want to go into schools so it is that challenge that you know to saying well you're still doing that lot great piece of work doing the health mm. needs assessment and yes you can mm. support that young person but and finding the right practitioner but safeguarding is escalating yeah and I think you know again I go back to, to Greg Fell's keynote speech back at the Safna conference last week and he talked about the challenges that safeguarding brings and we acknowledge don't we the safeguarding runs as core throughout the healthy child program and it's there at the prevent and um, promote end as much as it is at what he did referred to as the pointy end, the children supporting on child protection plans and child in need, and how we needed to get a balance somehow to, if you like, regain. And I think that was your starting point, Susie, wasn't it, about regaining promotion, prevention element of the role? Yeah, definitely. I know you've got a separate podcast on safeguarding, haven't you? So not too overlapping on that. But yeah, where I work currently, we made a concerted effort about 18 months ago to, with the support of our commissioners who have been behind us, they're public health commissioners and they want us in a public health role, that we really looked at our safeguarding role and pulled out of it in the main, unless there was a, an identified health need that we could actually be involved in. It's been a struggle, but 18 months later, we, we're there and um, we've we've now got the the answers from our young people we we hear their voice mm. and we put the input that they want we've just finished our first complete year and and you can see that now the staff are enjoying their job again mm. you know they're getting to see the young people where they want to see them um, and they are actually influencing the input that they are getting in schools mm. and and across the whole city because um, you know we've got partners now that are really interested in the figures we're getting out of what we're the voice of the child and want to change things for the better for those young people so it's really an exciting time and and really clawing back the role of the school nursing which is which is great so you say you're responding to some of those challenges and getting that balance so it sounds like um by supporting children appropriately using your knowledge and skills as a specialist practitioner public health nurse to support children on plans yeah um is allowing you then to step back where your skills aren't needed and putting that time into more preventative yeah, work. Yeah, definitely. So what sort, you talked about health needs assessments, what other sort of preventative work are you able to contribute to? Um, so um, we've got certain points where we have health questionnaires um, that they complete, and then we do one-to-one -one work depending on their answers, mm. um, so that we can get in early, so that they're just alerting really early, so we can put some input on sometimes on a one-to-one -one basis or on a class basis. Mm. Um, and then 
we look at that data and we will do a whole school approaches then and, mm. and work with those and the whole school approach. Mm. That's not to say that, you know, we don't get referrals for those high end stills or, you know, we still have our drop ins for the young people to come in. Mm. And that's not to say we don't get involved in safeguarding because we do. But it's those ones that it's an identified need for us where we're not there sitting with a whole bank of health professionals, for example, where, mm. you know, we our skills could be used for elsewhere when they've got other health professionals involved. Mm. So it is it is a mix, but it, it's it's more we're pulling more back to our preventative role and again you know if i was summarizing that it is about using your knowledge and skills appropriately and effectively yeah so that you work across you know when we look at the levels of the healthy child program and um, through universal targeted specialist you're using your skills across that and, and i think hannah what you said at the again i think it was fairly near the beginning you talked about population and place based health and sort of Susie you just mentioned about doing things on a whole school approach through um, addressing needs identified for health from the health needs assessment yeah. so again we can see that picture emerging around that public wide public health role. Yeah we're um, doing a similar thing um, actually this year for the first time with our year six health needs assessment mm -hmm. so we do the school readiness um, year six and year nine and for this year we're moving to a whole school approach for our year mm -hmm. six because what we were finding was that we were reviewing um, health needs assessment questionnaires um, of year six students and then because of their age we were contacting parents and the parents that were engaging our, in our service were the ones that were proactive and would usually take them to the GP um, and the ones where they were maybe more vulnerable or there were issues that the parents didn't want to open up with us over the phone were the families that we were sort of missing so with our year six we're moving to um, it's an anonymised questionnaire now and then we um, our skipper nurses will look at the data and then create public health plans and we'll be then doing that intervention then to the whole school whereas our year nines I must say it's still quite reactive because of the levels of needs that they have and like um, Debbie mentioned the mental health mm. and the challenges that that age group are facing since the pandemic before but definitely much more now we are finding the clinics we run after that are reactive and we're often having to refer to specialist services from then you talked about the changes you made to the the year six assessments yeah. identifying that they weren't quite achieving what you'd hoped they had and you talked about data so again that's drawing through something that is you know part of our unique selling point by the sounds of it our ability as public health nurses to, to gather data, to look at that data, and then to, to utilise that data to offer an intervention with an individual child or a cohort of children or a community. Absolutely, and that's something that you don't see in other areas of nursing or general nursing, whether that's adult, child or mental health, because you're in a system doing a lot of task-focused mm. work, but you very rarely get to evaluate that and think, mm. is this working and can we change it? Or is that something that's really special about mm. school nursing and the qualifications of us skippers and because they do actually get to to gather that information and look at what's happening and respond to it we know the standards have been revised recently but when we think about the original standards those of us that trained a long time ago remember the searching for health needs part of it coming through clearly and and you know using data whether that's hard solid numbers or you know feedback from young people you talked about the voice of the child but that's what drives us as public health 
nurses, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think the fact that we are now gathering our own data, you know, we've got yeah. questionnaires that we're asking, that it is up to the minute, on the day, data mm. that we're getting. Because quite often, data that we get nationally is like a few years behind. So by the fact that we're getting data now that is done there and then at the end of the day I could give the school their report and tell them what their young people are saying on that day mm -hmm. and they haven't got a look at you know I think some of the reports that we're seeing now are sort of like beginning of pandemic data but whereas now we can see that data and how it's affecting them now post pandemic if that's the way we were looking at it and and we can really tailor our service to what they need now not for what they needed two years ago yeah. and the here and now is really important many of you know will know you know, in this room, but, you know, the wider audience that will be listening to this, that Kenny Gibson, you know, the head of safe, NHS Safeguarding, is a real advocate for Safna and for school nurses and talks about practitioner intelligence yeah. and that very thing. What's happening? What are we hearing and what are we seeing in the here and now that, that's informing us around needs and, and where we need to intervene? So it's so important, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing is with public health nursing is that it's not sexy, is it? It's you can't see it, an outcome of it, and have it all mm. bandaged up, so to speak, and done, because it takes a while for you to put that public health stuff in now, that intervention in now, and, OK, it might take a few years. So the data takes a while to, to show that it's got an improvement, whereas, you know, if you're trying to fix something now and then, you can, on the acute end, you can do it now and then, and you can see a, an end stop, mm. and, oh, it's better now, or we need to go on to something else, whereas, you know, if you're doing that true public health it takes a while to see the outcome of that so it is hard and I think that that's why we struggle to get people to invest in us you know but I think that the language nationally is changing and they're seeing the, the value of prevention and the preventative work that we could potentially do so um, I think that you know we just need to be a bit louder and shout a bit louder about it and then what we're doing yes and I think because we work very closely with other agencies we know what they are offering yeah. and um, so, for instance, I work in a big triage, um, so there's health visitors and school nurses within that triage, and so when all the parents or schools or GPs contact us for um, support, yes, we may not be able to offer that immediate support ourselves, but we can signpost it, and um, on various health systems, you know, we can easily just contact them verbally or just by typing to them, so I think we just how we've changed each year something new is happening and I think as Hannah was saying earlier that the changes we all have to enjoy accept everything that is happening all the time and I think you know only yesterday I was reading up about sexual health um how since Covid gonorrhea the statistics has gone up so much and then people not trying to access antibiotics and, and you just think well Last year, we got back into giving the C card. And um, yes, they're probably only being offered to young people on child protection plans or safeguarding plans, but we are catching those young people. So for us, that's a nice large bit of preventative health we can look at and signpost and making sure that they do get that um, support where it's necessary. And I think that's where that holistic assessment comes yeah. in. You might see a a child or a young person because they've been referred for this reason but because you're holistically looking yeah. at them you have plenty of preventative you know options and um, chance for preventative conversations don't you to address the wider 
um, health needs and hopefully get in there before things become a problem as well as yeah. addressing the reason why they were there. And for instance, I think we all, all our trusts um, work with Chat Health and yeah. I think it's, um, I know there are other texting services, but we can offer that support to the young person immediately. They're texting, they're asking for that support, but we can also, uh, for us, I know in Leeds, we can actually offer to say, we say to them, look, would you like us to see you? And and we do have that face-to-face contact, and that's one way they can refer in. The young person can refer in, so we can go and see them in school and get them before it becomes reactive. We were having a conversation in another podcast in this series about emotional health, mental health, and talking about actually the use of digital technology, and you've mentioned um, chat health, and how sometimes for young people, that's the first step in because they're, they're comfortable texting. They don't have yeah. to see and speak to a real person and they can ask a question from afar gain that confidence that yeah can lead on to that face-to-face contact if needed so it's a good a good way of um, getting health information over to them isn't it and a good engagement tool by the sounds of it and I also think the whole naught to 19 we've got Mm. to you know work very closely with health visitors Mm. because we are the next stage mm. as school nurses. So I think it's really important um, mm. to know exactly where they're working mm. and be able to communicate and mm. trust each other. And that's part of us looking at a holistic. I, I, I always think with school nursing, we're, we're very good at looking at families from young babies, toddlers, antenatally, the pregnant mom, because when we go in to see the school-aged child, we, we have to understand the whole context of the family and I think that's a really important part of our role isn't it in terms of that holisticness we've been trying to pick out and and start to think about that elevator pitch you know you've got however many seconds depending on how quick your lift goes um to to describe school nursing but then we started to talk about the outcome I think you mentioned that first of all Susie um demonstrating outcomes it's not it's not apparent immediately isn't it and it's a a question that probably frustrates a lot of school nurses, well, what difference do you make? Because it, it's difficult, you know, short term to show that. But I know there's ways of using stories, isn't there? And I know um, the work that Susan Gordon did um, working with the Q&I. I don't know whether anybody is familiar with that, the working they did on school nurse stories. And she talked about using narrative um, to explain what is actually done rather than what is imagined. And she created a book of school nurse stories, case studies from around the country. So do you have any stories from your practice that helps define the role of school nursing? So when I had a caseload, I was doing... um, So it was a child who was in care, a child who was being looked after, and he'd only recently gone into care. And um, I had been working with him while he was on a child protection plan. Um, he'd also experienced bereavement and um, his his father had died and he wasn't able to go to the funeral. And I was going into school and we had this, we built up a relationship quite quickly. It was a 15-year-old boy. I used to take balls in, tennis balls, and said, right, okay, let's just throw them against the wall and who can catch them? And then I said, would you like to put... Um, your father's music on his favorite music and so we used to listen to the music play ball 
And then suddenly it all went, after about three or four sessions, it all went very quiet. And then I found out that he was being fostered by a lovely family within the area. And um, so there's a very big role that we always need to make closure with any young person we see. Mm -hmm. So they understand that we're not just disappearing out of their lives. Mm -hmm. So I went to visit him um, in his foster care and... He was sitting outside around a garden table and he said, you know, I really wanted to have the C card. And so I said, that's absolutely fine. And we t discussed consent and, you know, um, being having a healthy sexual relationship. And um, I was able to give the C card. As it's confidential, I didn't feel, I felt he was safe enough, even though he'd sort of just come off a child protection plan and he was now in care. But I used my professional judgment that I didn't need to share that I'd given out the C card, that I did go back to social care and said I did see him and we made closure. I saw him one more time after that. Uh, he gave lovely feedback and I felt it's so hard, like you said, to evaluate how well a young person has done if you visited them. You can't, I don't think you can evaluate because you're using, we use multi dimensional agencies so who is the agency who has made a difference and also you've got to realize a young person in their lives something might have changed so they might have come out of a toxic family life they might have made some nice new friends they might have joined a sport which they're now really achieving so how do we evaluate who's done the good piece of work but I felt I felt that was a good piece of work <laughs> made closure that's articulating isn't yeah. it the contribution that school nursing made to that young person's journey um, and demonstrating the skills that you have as a public health nurse as a school nurse and um, because you had to connect with that young person you had to be adaptive away around the way you communicated and engaged them the tennis balls the music you know you talked about taking them on a journey you talked about closure important because they have to trust you don't they you want to leave an opening for them to come back um, and how you explored the preventative elements and um, you made it a safe place to be so he could talk to you about sexual health, a very personal thing to him. So that's a really good way. And I think this is what Susan Gordon was saying about the narrative and you can really demonstrate what you delivered on across a whole agenda. And yes, of course, we are all partners make a difference to outcome. Not one agency sorts out teenage pregnancy, do they? It's a combination of what we all do. So I don't know whether you know, you've got any stories, Susie or, or Hannah, that perhaps articulates a role. Yeah, so I um, had a particular case that comes to mind where we received a referral from the family support worker in children's services to support a teenager who was on a child in need plan. This teenager wasn't attending school and hadn't been for two to three years, so out of education. Um, and it was largely around emotional health and sleep support. I met with this young person at the children's services because the home environment was also quite chaotic. And um, it was evident to begin with that this young person had some sort of social isolation going on was quite withdrawn. So I knew that I was gonna have to take some time building rapport. 
and the sleep issues I think we'd um, been referred to do some um, sleep hygiene and bedtime routine but it was long-standing only sleeping sort of one to two hours a night and then obviously not having school to go to spending 13 hours in a 24-hour period on TikTok this became sort of a much wider piece of work than I anticipated the mental health element came in where um, she shared with me she'd previously been suicidal and had made one suicide attempt and had had Cam's involvement. And I said to her, and how did that help? Well, she wasn't self-harming anymore and she didn't feel suicidal, but she still felt low in mood and lacked that motivation. So I broke it all down basically into right, what can I help with and what can we refer on? So I gave her options as well. We looked at, because of the age um, of this young person who's about to turn 17, so we looked at adult services as well, like um, the NHS talking therapies. Um, And in terms of the sleep, we worked on reducing her screen time. We worked on making sure that the sleep hygiene and the routines were all in place first and then evaluated weeks down the line had that made a difference. I think what was really pivotal about this case was this then escalated to child protection. So by the time I went to the initial case conference, I knew this young person and I felt that that added so much value then when it came to advocating and the health needs in a holistic way and um, because I'd already built that picture and commenced the work a key role that I sort of played in that as well was um, liaising with the other agencies so particularly the GP um, the young person had sort of expressed that they'd been to the GP several times about the sleep and kept being referred on to cams told to you know have a warm bath before bed all of that sort of advice but several years down the line this still wasn't making an impact So I wrote to the GP and I asked for, you know, I said that I'd done my assessments. This was my views as a school staff nurse and could they could they support? And they spoke with me over the phone in response to the letter and then made a urgent appointment. Through this time, this young person was then also assessed for autism and diagnosed with autism. And the GP, as a result, prescribed melatonin and the the difference in a matter of weeks after that prescription was huge so it was a big case with lots of complexities but I felt like I was sort of a bridge as well between the education social care and the health services that then ended up being involved such as CAMS the GP um, sort of bringing that together and in a holistic way and giving context really. And again there's so much you could draw out of that story in terms of the skills that you needed the interventions you were able to offer I think the one thing that stands out to me and I thought about it in my head earlier on in the podcast but not said it aloud was actually one of the unique selling points of a school nurse is that pivotal role of a sitting um, between a health education and family setting Mm. you don't get many health professionals that have the privilege of doing that but it's something where you see school nurses, isn't it? We are a health professional in an education world, reaching out to all other professionals and the connectivity that 
brings for the young person. Absolutely, because, you know, a safeguard and lead in a school couldn't necessarily ring up the child's paediatrician, but us with consent of the parent or family, a young person can do that mm-hmm. and then can also under, has the have the understanding of what that information they're sharing and then can relay, relay that to other agencies in sort of layman's terms as well, so... Yeah, And I guess us understanding the education system to understand the implications of the health needs on the education and what education could do to support that child as well. Because we span those different worlds. So not only can we navigate health, we can navigate education and navigate social care and not probably many or if any other health professionals do that. No, definitely no. not. No, they'd contact us. <laughs> yeah. The child is missing in education. Um, what do you do about it? And and we know what to do. You know, we would, I would always be contacting child and missing in education, saying this child doesn't seem to be at college, school. Mm. So there's always somebody. Otherwise, it can go on forever where things mm. are missing. So we join the dots. Could argue that we're jack of all trades. Now, some people will find that quite offensive. Some people think, well, no, actually we are. I mean, what are your views? Are we jack of all trades? Are we not? I think I was always a bit frightened of being jack of all trades, but not knowing enough, Mm. especially when I started. Mm. Um, And I think coming through as a staff nurse within an area, Mm. I knew quite a lot. But then, like you said, once you've got your skipping hat on, you're thinking, right, I'm, am I jack of all trades? And am I meant to be a social worker? And am I meant to be this? And you've got to rein it in as well. You've got to look after yourself and think, right, actually, I'm not a social worker. I'm not doing their job. They do fantastic assessments themselves. Uh, and, and really what we are doing and what we train to do is public health. Mm-hmm. Where I sit at the moment in the clinical triage, I'm meant to have every hat on. You know, people ring up and saying, my child doesn't sleep, like you said, and, and there are sleep charities, so it's them to understand where they can go out to. And and then the GP has told the parents to contact us, and I'm bouncing it, things back to the GP and saying, no, this is something you can do. And, and schools, when they ask us to do things, and you think, well, actually a school is seeing that child every day. So again, if it is physical health, a lot of the time in the, our clinical triage, I would say, no, you can contact, this is the GP. It sounds like we're not jack of all trades, but we have to have a breadth of knowledge. Mm. We need to know when we can intervene, when we need to signpost and refer. I don't like that term jack of all trades because it makes you sound like you're then master of nothing. Um, Whereas I I like to see that, you know, that we have a a tool belt that's full of number of tools that we can use. Mm. As you've said, you know, that we're there for the the child, but we've got those bridges into education, social care, health. But we've got lots of tools in our belt that we can use and pull out at any time. And I think that we've all got stories that both Debbie and Hannah have spoken about, you know, of how we've made a big influence on a child or the family. But I think that we've we've also got to remember we've got those those little windows, you know, those drop-ins, those few minutes. And um, I've I've I haven't been in face-to-face contact with young people for a number of years now because I've moved into different roles. But recently through something else ended up on telly sorry but um I had some young people contacting me on Facebook from many years before going oh my gosh I remember you as the school nurse and when you look back at that it was only probably a drop-in session but you, we've got to value those small inputs we have on those young people 
children you know that they will remember it. and so what we're saying are planting those small seeds and we're using those little tools to to give them little tiny pieces of information that they've got their stored you don't think you're making a difference then but down the line they will remember you for what those little pieces of information you've given them and that's a nice story and I know you know I, I lead a, a service and have done for a few years probably not had my face-to-face contact isn't that old, you know, that long ago, I should say. Uh, you know, I would be heavily involved in du- inductions with staff nurses and I would do health assessments with them to train them. But one thing that stands in my mind is when um, I've seen parents who've said, oh, you were my school nurse. <laughs> and I remember you doing. And like you say, Susie, like the example you just gave, it, it sticks with you and it helps you understand the outcomes, the differences you made to those young people, albeit years ago, that you wouldn't have seen there and then. Yeah. But you've, you've, they've told you what difference it made. And they wanted to tell you how well they'd done, yeah. what they'd done in their life. And not that they were saying that that was down to you, but, you know, they, they wanted to share that they mm. they were better than what they were in those teenage yeah. years when they came to you because they were trouble with, you know self-harming or Mm. their mental health or you know their sexual health but you know where they were now and that they're achieving and thriving Mm. now and yeah that's that's a nice feeling and and you might not have felt that it was a meaty piece of work but I think we've just got to remember that input we have on that young person just on a small basis even. So just picking up one of the things you said jack of all trades follows with master of none but I think we're saying what we've got is a wealth of knowledge and What's their master bit? Their master bit goes back to that unique selling point, doesn't yeah. it? About what being a public health specialist practitioner brings that assessment and understanding of need and intervening. I mean, we know that we can't put a magic wand on to every child to have an inverted commas perfect life, but we build, we have amazing communication skills, I think, um, perhaps because of all it being a postgraduate course, but also all our training beforehand. Mm. So when we're working with schools and education, we actually join together that we can mm. build a relationship with the educational setting mm. and discuss the well-being of the young person. And I think that's what's so important. The one thing that I don't think we've got time um, to cover but I just wonder whether we'd needed to anyway, was asking the question around, are we clear on what we're not? But I think we've kind of bought that out. Uh, And part of me thinks, actually, sometimes it's easier to say what we're not. But the important thing that school nurses really need to do, and say Greg Fell challenged us on this last week, is be clear on what we are, what we are, what we do. And I think we've drawn out some of that. And perhaps a challenge to those listening to us is come up with, one sentence that actually does define what a school nurse does and how they can help. Perhaps we'll allow them two sentences, but, you know, let's get it into a short amount of time. Think about that elevator pitch. So thank you very much for your contributions and and listening to those stories and the difference that you make to children and young people. And if those out there listening um, want to be part of um, the school nurse journey, help develop school nursing further, then it would be great if you got in touch with Safna. If you're members of Safna, you contribute to some of our special interest groups. If you're not members and you want to become members, then please look on our website. Thank, Thank you, you, Sally. Thank you. That was School Nursing Uncovered. Please listen out for more conversations in this podcast series, which cover mental health, gender identity, safeguarding, and more. And remember to follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss the upcoming episodes.